I want to talk out of Acts chapter 1, first of all. Um, when uh, the children, uh, the background here is that uh, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's walked among uh, people. He's appeared to over 500 people uh, at one time, it says. And he's, he's lived among them for about 40 days. And now he meets with his disciples and he, he takes them up on, on the hill. Uh, on, and then while he's standing there talking to them, he gives them some last instructions, which is uh, instead of going out and preaching the gospel, it's to wait in Jerusalem because they still need to receive something which is power from on high. And he explains that's the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And we're not here to, to talk about th- that tonight. And then he takes them out to the top of this hill and, and, and all of a sudden he's just lifted up physically, just lifted up in front of them right up into the clouds. And, and I can't imagine what that scene must have been like. They're just staring up there. And it's kind of, <laughs> I heard it described once, it's kind of like a, a little boy who's, who's, who's let his balloon go. I remember years ago, uh, our oldest son was in school and, and they had a project and we filled balloons up with, with helium and they tied little notes to them with the address and phone number. Uh, we didn't have email then and so it wasn't, wasn't that. And we'd let them go and we'd see who would get them and have somebody call us. And I remember in that schoolyard, the kids just watching these balloons, just staring at them as they kind of floated up. And I can imagine the disciples have never seen anything. We've never seen anything like that before. Imagine what you'd be like when you just suddenly saw, you'd just seen him raised from the dead. And now he's standing there, you, you think you've got him back, and now he just physically just slowly ascends straight up into the clouds, and they're just staring there. And then an angel appears to them and says, Why are you, why are you looking up? Uh, like, duh, <laughs> I've never seen this before. And he said, tells them to go to where Jesus told them to go. So we're going to pick up on this story at this place. They've now come back. And we're going to pick up in uh, uh, verse 12. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying. So what's happened is... Jesus met with them in an upper room. They had the, before he was crucified, they had the, the, their last, their supper together. They had their last Seder together, which is the, our communion service. And then, uh, he goes out and he goes into the Mount of Olives. He prays and he's arrested, crucified, buried, raised from the dead. Well, they come back to this room and they're huddled together. Now, this is what I want to begin to say to us because it applies to where we are now. They're in uncharted territory. They've never been in this place before. These are fishermen. These are some, one's a tax collector. These are not highly educated men. They, they don't know, they're on, they, they've been following him for these three, three, uh, three and a half years. They've seen amazing things happen within the last month or so, things they've never dreamed happening. And now the most amazing things happen. They've watched him raised up and it's all gone. And now they're left with each other. 
And this has all happened in a very short period of time. They don't know what else to do, so they go back to their little huddle in this upper room. Now, also keep in mind, so they're in uncharted territory. They don't know what's going to happen next. They don't know what to do next. The only instructions they have is wait here. And I don't know about you, that's the hardest thing to do sometimes. When you don't want know what to do is to wait. Well, many of you are shut up in your homes right now. You can't go to your job, or you may have lost your job. And your kids are home with you and you're there and you know you get maybe beginning to get cabin fever you know I, I talk a joke about our little dog Molly I love dearly but she's starting to get on my nerves a little bit she follows me everywhere we go and, and she's just there all the time looking at me wanting to get in my lap when I sit down and I love that most of the time but when you're together all the time it can get a little close and that's kind of what was like so that's what they're in but they're in this because they're afraid that's the second thing they're in uncharted territory. They've never been in this place before. They don't know what to do. They've been told to wait. And as I mentioned a minute ago, that's a hard thing to do, to just wait. And you don't even know what you're waiting for. Wait till you get power from on high. What is that? Now, we know because we look back over 2,000 years and we know what happened. So it's easy for us to understand, but they did not have that advantage. They didn't have the Gospels. They had prophecies from the Old Testament, but they hadn't begun to piece those together. So they're waiting and they're afraid. That's the second thing. Because they don't know. I mean, they've just seen their leader executed horribly. They've seen him raised from the dead. As far as the, 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 the Roman uh, government is concerned, his body's been taken. And so they're, they may be looking for them. So they're hiding. They're afraid. So they're in uncharted, uncharted territory and they're afraid. So we're going to look at what did they do in that situation. Now that's not all that dissimilar from where we are now. We're in uncharted territory. Never, at least in, the, in any of our, any, any of our uh, uh, recollections, has, has anything ever happened like this. There was a great plague that hit Europe and down into Africa, but it didn't shut the world down the, the way this is. The only thing that I can think of that's ever been anything like this that shut everything down was the flood that Noah came through. So this is uncharted territory for us. The experts that we often look to, to see what am I going to do, they're scrambling now and they're beginning to feel like they can get on top of it and then you read stories like I saw today, well okay, they may begin to get this under control, but what's going to happen in the fall and what's going to happen next year? So there are all these what ifs out there, these uncertainties, and these blend together with this already atmosphere of fear that's out there and you have this recipe for fear and for, 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 for uh, great distress. And that's the situation they were in. And so there's some similarities to where we are now. We don't know when we're going to be able to gather again to, as a church. We don't know when we're going to be able to go open restaurants and go in, into eat in restaurants. We don't know these things. But so they're, they're uncertain out there. And, and again, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, actually it was on Easter Sunday, we're still at a time when we don't know what you can touch and what you can't touch. Or that person that's passing by you. Maybe that person has, maybe that person ha- has COVID-19 and, and I'm afraid to get around them. So all these things that are working, uncertainties, is the same kind of thing that they were in. And I'm sharing that with you because I want to show you what they did. And I want to show you how it worked. So, so we're going to look at what they did now. Uh, Acts 1 verse 12, down through verse 14. 
And then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they'd enter in, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Now, Judas Iscariot, who had betrayed Jesus, he's obviously not there. And this is what I wanted to get to. These all continued in one accord doing what? In prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So there's a group together. They don't know what else to do. So what do they do when they don't know what else to do? Oh, I know. They turn on Netflix and they binge watch. I know. They get on the phone and they call their friends and they find out what do you think. No. Of course, they didn't have those options and maybe that was a blessing to them. Maybe they would have been tempted to get on Google and search what's the latest statistics, what's the CDC say of, of when, this, when this, uh, this wave is going to flatten out or whatever they're calling it. They, they, they couldn't do that. They had no other choice but to pray. We kind of have this expression sometimes in the church, you know, my goodness, has it gotten so bad, it's gotten to the point we've got to pray as if that's the thing we do of last resort. But that's the thing they did of first resort. You see that pattern. And we're going to look at some examples tonight, and then we're going to do that. But I want to show you why this is so important. Because here, the reason I think we've not done this more, the reason I think we've not focused it on prayer no more, is we didn't think we needed to. Because when we're not praying, we think we ultimately have some kind of control. I heard years ago, Pastor Sam Smith, the founding pastor of this church, made this statement. I was sitting in here in a prayer meeting, and he said, you know, when we don't pray, what we're really saying is, God, I've got, I don't need you. I've got this under control. Well, we're in a situation where nobody has it under control. And now once we see something's out of control, we have to look for somebody that does have control or can gain control, and that's only God. But as we talked about last week and we talked about two weeks ago, God needs us to come together. God is all-powerful and almighty. We talked about that Sunday morning. But God is in partnership with man. And God needs man to come to Him and authorize God to do in the earth what God already wants to do. So they didn't understand that then. But what they knew is they had a need. They were in desperate need. They did not know what to do. So what did they do? They came together and they prayed. They sought God. And in one of the key parts of this verse is they did this with one accord. What does that mean? That means they had one goal in mind. They had one need. They were looking to get answered. They were waiting for what Jesus told them to wait for. They didn't know what it was. They were waiting together to make sure they were safe and that they would follow what God was calling them to do. And so they were all together with that one focus. That's what it means to be of one accord. Well, we may have prayer meetings here where we have people with all kinds of ideas, but when we're coming together now, it's pretty clear what we need to pray for. And the things we're going to go through tonight are the same things we went through last week and the week before, because we need to focus in and be of one accord on these subjects. So, now I want to look at, uh, go over to chapter 2. Chapter 2, now they've been praying and this is now the day of Pentecost. This is when the answer to the prayer comes. They've been praying, waiting for what Jesus told them was going to come. And now, look what happens. It's while they're praying 
that the Spirit of God's poured out. It's not while they're having, not while they're in a church service where they're getting preaching. It's not while they're doing Bible studies. It's not while they're out feeding the poor. Those are all wonderful things that the church should do. But it's while they're praying that the Spirit of God moves in and empowers them and begins to do what He was sent to do for them. So we're just going to read just a little bit of the first verse. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all of one accord in one place. Again, here's that term. They were together of one accord. Now, we can't physically be together tonight, but we can be of one accord. We can be together. In a minute or so, I'm going to show you how we can do that and how that is so, so important. So now we're going to go over to another situation. This is over in Acts chapter 4. And this is, a, a, now they're in another threat. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 23. What's happened now in between what we just read? Uh, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out on them and they spill out into the streets. They're changed men and women. They spill out into the streets. They're speaking in other tongues. They're giving glory to God. And it's such a commotion, it attracts an attention and people wonder, what is going on? Some are saying that they're drunk. Well, Peter, who only a few weeks before was afraid to even admit he knew Jesus, now stands up and preaches the boldest sermon he ever preached. And as the result, 3,000 people are saved that day. And then what happens after that? He and John go into the temple to pray. And, and there's a man who's been lying there at the gate, one of the gates into the temple, Gate Beautiful, and he's begging alms. Now they've passed this man many times. And as they're going by there now, he's, he asks for alms. Now they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter looks down and he says, Silver and gold, I don't have that with me. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And they grabbed him. He stood up. And all of a sudden, he'd never walked before. His legs are strengthened. They're healed. And he's running, dancing all over the place, giving glory to God. And it causes a tremendous commotion. And the people are glorifying God. There's such an excitement. And it makes the the, the authorities jealous. So they haul Peter and John in. They arrest them. And they wonder what's going on. And they realize what's happened is they're speaking in the name of Jesus. So they command them not to do that. They beat them. And then they send them out. And they tell them to not go preach in this name again. Of course, they go back to their own. And then they go right out and preach in the name of Jesus again. So we're going to pick up now. So while they've been arrested, what's the church doing? Again, they don't know the end of the story. All they know is two of their main leaders have been arrested for preaching Jesus. And they're in jail. They don't know if they're going to be executed. This may fulfill their greatest fear that they're coming after all of them. But what are they doing while they're going through this? They're praying. So we're going to pick up in verse 23. And being let go, Peter and John, they went to their own companions and reported to them what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So basically what the government had said to them, they'd threatened them not to do anything in the name of Jesus. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Here again, there's, one, there's a focus to their prayer. 
because they know what their need is. They don't need their pastor telling them what their need is. They don't need to go to some prayer journal. To find. They know, and there's an urgency. We, we can't handle this. We have to get God involved in this. That was the one accord. And they said, Lord, you are God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in it who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why, when the nations rage and the peoples plot vain things, and the kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand. Notice what they're doing. Notice... Notice there's a boldness in this prayer. Notice that they're not saying, Oh God, we see their threats and we hope that you would have mercy and compassion on us. Father, we're just so weak and struggling in all of this situation. We're so afraid. We just wish, would you please help us if it be your will. You don't hear this tone at all. There's a boldness in this. They're coming to God as if they have a covenant with Him. Oh, guess what? They do. They're coming to God as if He wants to hear from them. Guess what? He does. They're coming to God with a boldness and a confidence. And we need to do that and we're going to do that tonight. Religion tells you, you have to be careful how you approach Him. After all, He is a holy God. He is a holy God. But my Bible tells me that if I'm in Christ, I've been made just as righteous and just as holy as Jesus is. When I come to God the Father, I'm coming in Christ. I have the same standing before God. Not because I'm a pastor, because I'm in Christ. You have the same standing before God, if you're a Christian, that Jesus has. To come into His presence and make the same bold demands of Him that Jesus makes of Him. That's what the Bible says. And that's what they're doing here. And so what they're doing is they're arguing their case. And I'm a, I'm a former lawyer. I know what a case is like to argue, and that's what they're doing. They're appealing to things, who God is, and what God has said He would do. And they're calling God to account to do what He said to do. God loves that. There's a verse, I think it's in Isaiah, says, Come and argue with me that you may be proven right. God's the only one I've ever been in an argument with that said, I want you to argue with me so you win. God wants us to come and be bold with Him because that shows faith and trust in the relationship we have with Him through Christ. And so this is what they pray now. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant that Your servants with all boldness may speak Your word by stretching out Your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of Your holy child, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word with boldness. Notice what they prayed for. They didn't pray for deliverance. They prayed for boldness in the middle of this, in the middle of this persecution. In the middle of this threat, they prayed for boldness to do God's will. And we're going to do that. And I guarantee you, if you get the focus of your life not to make sure you're safe, we want to do that. Not to make sure your family's safe, we want that too. But to make sure all of that happens so that we can fulfill God's will for you on the earth. Because if you just want to be happy and you just want to be safe and you don't care about God's will being done, just ask the Lord to take you home. And then you'll be very happy and you'll be very safe, but you won't have the satisfaction of knowing you completed what God put you here to do. 
And I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters and my friends, we are here for exactly this time, for exactly this purpose of God. And this is what we need. If you're praying for that, if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all the things you need, including protection and health and healing, will be added unto you. Always put God first, and God will come behind and take care of all your needs. So this is what they were all together of one accord. So what does that mean? What does it mean? I'm going to one more scripture here, and then we're going to go, go about this. So we're going to go over to Matthew 18. Jesus was teaching here about being together of one accord. Now the context in which Jesus is teaching, if you read before it, the context in which he's teaching is talking about church discipline. We don't hear anything about that nowadays, but this is correcting people in the church because either they were not living right or they were, they, were, they, were, they were gossiping, they were spreading rumors, whatever it is, the church is disciplining, correcting them as an act of love. And so the context in which this is written is talking about that. But the, but the principle applies to everything we do, and especially to prayer. And we'll see Jesus mentions that in here. So this is talking about the prayer of agreement. Matthew 18, 18. He's talked about uh, discipline, and now verse 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever... Listen, listen, I want you to hear how astounding this is. Because we often read over these things quickly, especially if you've been a Christian for very long. We say, oh yeah, I know that. Now listen to this. Because the, the, the real question is, is this true? Assuredly, I say to you. Now, Jesus didn't often say assuredly, because when you say that, what he's saying is, I'm telling you the truth. Well, we'll do that with one another sometimes. We'll say, you know, well, well uh, now, to tell the truth, which implies to me, I don't know if you're telling the truth the rest of the time when you're talking to me. But when Jesus says this, we know he always tells the truth. In fact, he is the truth. So when he says, assuredly, what he's doing is he's emphasizing to get across to them. This doesn't make it any more true. It can't be any more true. What he's trying to do is what I'm trying to do with you right now. Get their attention and say, look, what I'm about to say to you is so astounding. I need you to listen carefully. This is so true. You need to hear the truth of this. And what was that? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, think about what he's saying. This is Jesus. He's saying, whatever you exercise authority on in the earth, it will be backed up in heaven. Now, I've read some commentators that say, no, because if you look at the Greek, what it's saying is, if you bind on earth whatever's already been bound in heaven. So in other words, we can't bind something here that God hasn't already bound up there. What it actually says in the Greek, because I've researched it even more, what it actually says in the Greek is whatever you bind or exercise authority on here will be treated in heaven as if it has already been exercised up there. In other words, God has promised through Jesus to back up our prayers. God has promised to exercise His authority to back up what we pray. But He needs us to exercise that here 
And that's what we do in prayer, which is why prayer can't be, oh God, I hope you could possibly do something with this. Oh God, please have mercy on us. Please, we're so weak and so lowly. Please, that's not what he's talking about. God's waiting for us to stand up and exercise the authority he's given us. He's given us the name of Jesus. It's, it's a power of attorney. Again, I was a lawyer for over 20 years. I know what a power of attorney is. A power of attorney is when somebody gives you the legal right to sign documents in their place that will bind them as if they signed the document. That's what Jesus has given us in His name. And the church has been weak and the, and the world has suffered because we've not learned to exercise this authority. And we've got to do that in this case. We've got to learn to do that. Verse 19, he goes on and says, Again I say to you, and this is the, what we're going to talk about, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That's clearly talking about prayer. If two of you agree on anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. We're gathered tonight in His name. We may not gather in the same building, but we're gathered tonight in the same name and with the same purpose. And the last thing I want to share about this before we get into prayer is this. The word agree here is the Greek word uh, symphonia, from which we get the word symphony. If you stop and think about what a symphony is, a symphony is, a, is an array of instruments going all the way on the left-hand side to the, 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 uh, the string instruments, the violins, the violas, the cellos, and then there's the brass, and then you have the percussion. You have all these different kinds of instruments. And if you've ever seen the sheet music of a piece of classical music, it's got all these bars up and down for different instruments, and they play different parts. Even when we have a worship team up here, and even tonight, there were different parts. They sing different parts of, of, the, of the music. And if those parts are sung in, in correct harmony together, it produces a depth of field, a depth of sound that you can't get if everybody's singing the exact same notes. But if they're singing different parts or they're playing different parts in an orchestra, they may be playing different notes, but those notes have a relationship together that's accomplishing the, the one sound that the, the composer intended to sound. Now, what's that got to do with prayer? What we're about to pray, I'm going to be leading us in prayer. And as I do that, you don't have to be saying the same words. You don't have to be playing the same notes. But one accord means we're, we're praying together with the same goal in mind. We're coming together. And think of that. I may be praying the words that come to me to, to, to stop this, this virus. But you may be praying different words, but they have the same goal in mind. That's exactly what that harmony is. And as the many voices and hearts that we bring to Him together with these purposes are expressed out of your own heart and expressed as the Spirit of God leads you, then God is going to hear a symphony crying out to Him and authorizing Him to move on His behalf. There'll be a greater depth, a spiritual depth to this prayer. 
That's what it means to pray of one accord. It doesn't mean they all sat down and they read a liturgy together. It means they were expressing out of their own heart their own way of asking for the same thing and they all had the same focus or purpose in mind and the same focus and purpose of their heart even though they expressed it differently. So I hope that helps you to understand a, a little bit. So what we're going to do is that we're going to, we're going to begin, I'm going to go over this prayer uh, Unite 714, which we are, if, if you've not been tuned in before, we are, uh, we've joined thousands of other churches literally around the world, and it continues to grow. Churches that have committed every time they have any kind of service to pray this prayer. There's a different prayer each week. And then to ask the people at 714 in the morning and at 714 at night, twice a day, to, to pray this together. And, and, if, and in order to do that, you can either go to our website and there's a little block that says Unite 714 and you'll find that this week's prayer in there. Or you can go to Unite, not United, that's the airline, Unite714.com and you can find them in there. And you can print them out and you can pray them yourselves. So, well, well, Pastor, I, I, f- I forgot to pray at 714. Uh, in the morning. Well, I got news for you. There's a, it's, it's 714 uh, sometime, somewhere. So at 814, it's 714 somewhere. At 1014, it's 714 somewhere. So if you forget, find a 14 after the hour sometime during that day and say this prayer. The whole idea is we're having believers all over the world coming to God with the same prayer. And then let the Spirit of God just lead you as you pray. So we're going to pray that, and then I'm going to lead us in prayer for some, some specific things which we prayed before. And again, we can do this uh, because we are this, we're crying out to God. It, it's, and I don't want to get into the difference between this kind of praying and praying for your own need by the prayer of faith out of the Word of God. It's a different type of prayer. It operates on different principles. So with this kind of prayer, you can repeat this, repeat this prayer over and over and over again because we're calling upon God to do something that requires things that are outside of our will. When you're praying for your own needs and you're praying the prayer of faith, it's simply between you and God. But this is praying for other things in other people's lives. So let's start with this, with, uh, this, the, we, this week's prayer. This is uh, prayer five, uh, week five of this prayer. I'm going to read the scriptures they give us and then we're going to go through the prayer. It's based on three scriptures. Isaiah 54, verses 14 and 17. In righteousness you shall be established, you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. This is the part. No weapon that's fashioned against you shall succeed. That's something I just say all the time. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I don't want to get off on this. It's so easy to preach tonight. But the words you say are so important. The words you say are so important. When you're finding thoughts of fear coming at you, answer them with words. Here's a good one. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You say that word and God's ready to back it up. Next scripture, Psalm 91. Verses 4 through 6. Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, just like this disease is, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. And finally, Second Chronicles 7.14, which is what this prayer movement is based on. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that's what we're doing tonight, and pray and seek my face, we're doing that tonight, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. 
Heavenly Father, we humbly come to you and ask you to sustain us by your mercy, your grace, and your power. We continue to trust in your gracious promise that no weapon is fashioned against us, our families or our churches shall succeed. We take refuge under your protective wings. Your faithfulness is our shield. By your great strength, protect our hearts and minds from the grip of terror. Empower us, O God, so that fear will not paralyze us or define our lives. Great multitudes are affected by this appalling pandemic. And so we lift them up before you in prayer. Heal those that are battling this disease. Comfort those who have lost loved ones. And we, and, and, and we know alone that you are our healer. As Second Chronicles 7.14 urges us, we identify with the sins of our nation and ask your forgiveness. Have mercy upon us. Spare us from this pestilence. Cleanse us from our sins. Heal our lands. With one heart, And one voice, we stand together in unity, asking you, Almighty God, to protect our cities, our nations in the world from COVID-19. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now just join me. You can pray in the Spirit. You can pray. I'm going to name each of these subjects, and then you can just pray as I talked about a few minutes ago, a few minutes ago, as as you as you feel led by your spirit. Uh, in First Timothy chapter two, it tells us first of all to pray for those that are in leadership and authority, so that we as the church might lead a quiet and peaceable life. So we're going to pray for our president. We're going to pray for our governors. And we're going to, it doesn't say anything about liking them. It doesn't say anything about agreeing with them. They're in an office that God established and they, God needs them. God needs them to listen to Him. God needs them to be committed to follow godly counsel. God needs them to be able to stand strong at this time because there are spiritual forces trying to work against them to control them. God needs them. So therefore, God needs us to come to Him and ask Him to keep them strong. And that's what we're going to do. So, Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. We come in obedience to your word that tells us, Lord, not to criticize, not to judge, but to pray for our president and all those in our national government that are in leadership and authority, and especially that are making decisions that affect the, treat, the handling of this disease in this nation, the recovery of this nation from this, and of our economy. We pray for President Trump. We ask you to protect him and his family and give him strength, Father, to stand in this time. We ask you to give him discernment to know who to listen to and who not to listen to. We ask you, Father, to put him on his knees that he would seek you for your wisdom, Father. We pray for those that are assisting him and guiding him. Lord, surround him with men and women that will give him godly counsel, that hear the voice of your spirit and and give him wisdom and counsel of what to do. We pray for Vice President Pence, Father, that he would be a voice to speaking into his decision-making process. We pray for all of those, Father, even in our Congress, in our Senate, in our, in our House of Representatives, the leaders of that, Father, that you would bring them together in unity and recognize, Lord, that there's a common foe here, that this is not about politics, this is not about power, it's not about an election, it's about a responsibility that they have before you to stand in the authority that you've given them and exercise it with godly wisdom for the sake of peace people that you love and you care about. Father, 
wake them up from their selfishness, wake them up from their pettiness, and wake them up to face the responsibility that they have before you for which they will give an account. Put the fear of God upon them that will cause them to seek you for wisdom and surround them with godly counsel. We pray, Father, for Governor Raimondo, Governor of Rhode Island, for Governor Baker, Father, again, as I've said many times, they never bargained for this. When they ran for election and they celebrated on the night of victory, they never in their wildest imaginations knew they would be put in a situation like this. And it's more than they can handle, Father. Help them to recognize, and I believe they must recognize by now, that this is beyond their natural ability to handle and that they're going to need to turn for a greater help and a greater resource and that that is you. Father, we pray that you would keep them and protect them their families, Lord, that they would stay strong and help them to be strong, not just in their bodies, but also in their souls, so that they're able to make wise and and, and judicious decisions. Father, surround them with godly counsel. We thank you, Father, and believe we actually know that you have put people in their place, put people in their path that they're listening to, that, that have your Spirit in them, that are led by your Spirit, that are filled with your Spirit, Father, that the gifts of the Spirit operate in. And we thank you, Father, for putting people in strategic positions. And we pray, Father, we pray, Father, for that wisdom to keep them, to know what to do and to know the decisions to make. Father, we pray, Lord, for, for the, those, the, the pastors of this area that are, that are leading the, your people, Lord. We pray that you would keep them well and healthy. We pray that you would keep them strong. Again, Father, they never dreamed that they would be leading a people through a time like this when they can't gather together and, 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 and meet together. Father, we pray that you would strengthen them and give them a clear focus of purpose that we would be able to work together because this is an, this is an opportunity, Father, that you are choosing to use to bring your kingdom to come and your will to be done. And the Lord, that we would get over any differences that we have and see that we are to, a men and women together of one heart and of one mind to see your will done and your kingdom come. We pray, Father, for these churches, Lord, that, that the support that's needed, the tithes and offerings that are needed to do the work of God will continue to come in. And yes, they'll even increase, Father, so that the missionaries and those that are out on the mission field will have ample supply for what they need to do, Father. That in this time of great opportunity, there will be no shortage in this place or in any other of the places that are serving you and doing your will. There will be no shortage of finances. There will be no shortage of men and women to come together there'll be no shortage of resources and we thank you for it Father Father we pray for those that are on the front line of dealing with the physical and natural aspects of this disease our medical people our doctors our nurses the orderlies everyone that's working in the hospitals in the field hospitals everyone that's working in the nursing homes Father that are, that are dealing with these patients head on Father we, we pray, first of all, that you would protect them and keep them well and healthy, Father. Give them a supernatural protection. Cover them with the blood of Jesus, Lord. We thank you that they've now got masks and they've got coverings, but cover them with the blood of Jesus, with his protection. We pray for strength, for many of them are putting in hours beyond what they normally would put in. We pray for their families, Father, because they're making sacrifices to let them go with the, with the, with the potential of fear that their, own, their family their father, their mother, their brothers, their sisters may be exposed to this disease. We rebuke the spirit of fear and we pray for peace in those homes, Father. 
We pray for those, Father, right now that are, that are battling this disease, those that are in the hospitals that are on ventilators and those that are in the hospitals and it's, this has attacked their lungs. Father, we know that Jesus is the healer. And we ask you to have mercy upon them, Father. You are a God of mercy and compassion. Jesus healed everyone that came to him when he walked on this earth. Regardless of whether they were a good person or bad person, none of them were Christians. So, Father, we ask you to have mercy upon them. You're healing mercy. We speak to their lungs, that their lungs are healthy and strong, that their lungs are whole, and we command that virus, we command that protein, we command that work that's going on in those cells to destroy their lungs. We command this to stop and this virus to stop. In the name of Jesus, we plead in the name of Jesus for this virus to stop and stop destroying lives and to recede in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, we pray furthermore for those that are looking for a cure, those that are looking for vaccines, that you would give them supernatural knowledge. Lord, we know that there are doctors and nurses and scientists and people out there that are filled with your Spirit. And they have the gifts of the Spirit operating them. And you can operate the gift of knowledge and the gift of the word of wisdom and the gift of the word of knowledge and all of your supernatural gifts to give them the wisdom to find the answers so that we'll never have to deal with this again. We thank you, Father, for that wisdom that you give to them. And Father, again, we command this disease to stop. Lord, we pled, as we did tonight in this united prayer, Father, Daniel, Daniel took the sins of his people upon himself, even though he'd not committed them. And in this prayer, we did that, Father. We take the sins, the church takes the sins of this nation. Lord, that deserves your judgment. I don't believe that's what this is, but this nation deserves your judgment. For, Father, we have sacrificed the lives of innocent children in their wombs and even as they've come out of their wombs by the millions. Father, we've endorsed as a nation all manner, all manner of, of perverseness, sexual perverseness and all kinds of others. Father, we've licensed violence and we've promoted violence and we've lifted up idols, sports idols, entertainment idols, all kinds of idols that this nation has worshipped and the people of this nation has worshipped. And Father, they've not known that they've fallen into the hands of Satan. They've not realized that there's a spiritual person, a spiritual being, a spiritual scheme behind all of this and that they're falling prey to that. But Father, we are your people and we can rise up on behalf of this nation and we can stand up and say, Father, we take on ourselves this sin. And we ask you for forgiveness of this nation, Father. Forgiveness of your church that's been lazy and has been like the church in Laodicea. We thought we were well off. We thought we were prosperous. We thought we were doing so well when in reality we're, we're, we're weak and we're sick and we're, 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 we're failing in many ways to do what you care to do. Father, we, we care so much about issues that are so important to us while the souls of people around us that are so dear to you that you paid such a dear price for doesn't, don't bother us at all. And so the church needs to ask your forgiveness. Your people need to ask your forgiveness. 
Father, for this church, I ask you for forgiveness. For me, for this church, for our leaders, that we would humble ourselves and then we would repent, Father. And we pray, Lord, that you would bring a mighty move of God, a mighty move of God in this time, that you would come through this opportunity, Lord, where people are, their, their foundations of their lives have been shaken. The things that they've been looking forward to and expecting and trusted in aren't there and they're grasping for things to turn to. That you would use this as a time, Father, to force people that are already believers in you to either make a complete commitment to you or to decide that they're just going to fade off into the world. Father, bring us to a point of decision, a point of commitment. And I know it's your will and your desire that all that follow you would make a complete commitment. But make it a time of consecration. We pray that you would pour your Spirit out, Father, as in the first day, the day of Pentecost, as in the other revivals that we've had. But this would be a great time because, Father, in all likelihood, this is the last chance before Jesus comes back. Lord, give everyone a chance. Give everyone a chance to hear the Word. Give everyone a chance to know that you're real, that they know that you love them and care about them. Give everyone a chance to turn to Christ Jesus and to call upon His name. And we pray for the church, Father. Lord, that just as our our brothers and sisters back in Acts chapter 4 just as they called out in the midst of that in the midst of that persecution they were in and instead of praying for deliverance they prayed that in the middle of this pressure they wouldn't cave in that you would give them boldness and lord not boldness in ourselves not boldness in our personality for most of us are not bold like that but a boldness of the spirit that you would fill us with your spirit to stand up and to be bold and to say what you want said and to do what you want done and to go where you want us to go and to, to be what you want us to be Lord, and as we do that, to know that your Spirit is filling us with the words, filling us with your presence, filling us with your miracle power. Because in that prayer, they also prayed that that, that we would be bold to to speak out your word by speaking out his hand to heal and that signs and wonders would be done in the name of your holy child, Jesus. We pray, Lord, for a great healing revival. We pray for an outpouring of your power and of miracles as we sang tonight. That people, you would demonstrate not just your word, but the power of your word and the power of your spirit and the power of your, of your being, God, and the love that you have for people and the compassion that you have for people. You have put us here for such a time as this. Father, I pray for those in in our assembly that have lost loved ones. We pray that you would comfort them, Father. Help them to recognize and take their place in spite of their pain and in spite of their grieving. Help them to heal and to come through this. And we pray for all the others, Lord, that have lost loved ones, especially in the New York area where they've lost so many, but everyone, Lord, and and, and to not lose sight of of these people that are still here, but that are suffering. We pray, Father, that the God of all comfort would comfort them in their sorrow and the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, would visit them with His comfort. And Father, we ask You to give us vision. I pray for all the pastors that You would ask us to give us vision and not just them, but all of us. We have vision for our place in what You're calling us to do and show us how to get there. 
And help us to realize, Father, that in our own household, that we are priests in our household. For the fathers and mothers that are in a household, to use the time that they have to begin to gather together for family prayer, to begin to gather together to pray these prayers and to begin to seek you, that revival would break out in our homes, Father. That, that the Spirit of God would begin to move in our homes. That the fact that we can't come into this sanctuary doesn't mean we don't have a sanctuary because two or more of us to gather together in our own homes, then there you promise to be in our midst. Guide us through this time. Guide us one step at a time, one day at a time, with your grace and with your wisdom. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' precious, precious name. Precious name. Well, in a moment, we're going to end with a song. But before we do, I want to do two things. First of all, what we normally do at this time of our service is we normally receive the Lord's tithes and our offerings, and obviously you're not here, so we can't give you that chance to do it here. But you can go online to 28950, and if you've not learned how to text then, you can still learn how to do it, and you just do FCC tithes, and if you're doing it for the first time, it will walk you through what you've got to do. And you understand this, we don't get your credit card information. They don't give that to us. This is housed within there, and this is used by major ministries. It's safe. I've been using this ever since we first started. I've never had any problem with it. It's a great convenience when I get up on Friday morning because that's when I get my, my, my salary comes into my account. The very first thing I do is bring my ties into the storehouse right on my phone. But you can do that or you can go online to facecenter.com and there's a way that you can give or you can use the old-fashioned snail mail and mail in your offerings. It's so important for your sake and for my sake that we remain faithful in this because because this is a time when we need God to be supplying our needs and as He knows He can trust us to do His work, He will continue to flow and increase it so that it can flow through us. So thank you for your faithfulness. You have been very faithful. I want to pray over that and then I want to do one last thing before we pray over that. If you're watching this for the first time or you've never been part of a church service here or anywhere else and maybe you're watching this and, and, and you, you don't quite understand what we're talking about here and, and maybe you've been raised in church or maybe you just don't and you just happen to tune in and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ I want to give you that opportunity right now because the Bible is very clear there's going to come a time and this situation makes it very clear there's going to come a time when you're going to breathe your last breath on this earth the one thing we know for sure is none of us are going to live forever here and the Bible tells us that when you breathe your last breath here, you don't stop existing. Your soul and your spirit are going to be going immediately to one of two places. Either angels are going to come and escort you up into the presence of God the Father and of Jesus Christ to live forever there, or you're, or you're going to be dragged down into a place of the damned called hell. And it is a very...